Are you here? To be here is to be present. And the interview you're about to hear features a guy who's about as present as is possible. On this episode of the Paul Leslie Hour, it's a pleasure to present an interview with Sailor Boy Records and Sailor Boy Publishing performing and recording artist Gene Mitchell. A lot of people make tropical-inspired music. Well, Gene Mitchell is one of them, and a -a one-of-a-kind talent, and a joyful guy, too. You may recall the on-air beer-tasting Gene did with host Paul Leslie. Well, what you're about to hear is the time when Gene Mitchell, the big coconut himself, called into Paul's radio show. Now, this was an old-school show, so Gene and Paul would chat a bit, then they'd spin one of Gene's songs. Now, get this. Gene would stay on the phone while the song played, and then when the tune was finished, Gene was still there, and they'd talk some more. Novel concept, huh? Well, what we have for you today is the talking part of that show, and we're putting it out there for you all. All the episodes we release get distributed on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and of course, YouTube. The YouTube channel's growing like crazy, thank you very much, probably because of all the great content we've been releasing there. You know, we just surpassed 3,000 subscribers. And you know, it's free to subscribe. And when you're there to subscribe, don't forget to ding, ding, ring that bell. Well, I think it'd be worthwhile that we all listen to this one. You ready? Gene Mitchell should never be kept waiting. Let's hear what Gene has to say. Well, another aloha to Gene Mitchell. He has come back to our Radio Tiki Hut. So we want to welcome back one of our favorite artists and most played artists on Time After Island Time, Gene Mitchell. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing wonderful. It's good to speak to you. It's been a while. It has. Good <laughs> to speak to you again. Are you drinking Land Shark Lager still? I am drinking Land Shark Lager. How'd you know that? I just had a feeling that you were hooked. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's great beer. I tried it, and it's really uh, it's really smooth. It's got a good flavor. It's not uh, it's not tart or hard like uh, a lot of uh, you know the Mexican beers or the soft beers you get. Uh, it's a good American beer made by Budweiser, and it's just a really smooth beer, very tasty. It's got a great aftertaste, too. I mean, it's not leaving anything that I have to wash it down. I don't have to have any rum and Coca-Cola or a shot of school after this stuff. It's really good. So I think we should start from the the beginning, and I've often wondered if maybe, uh, uh, or I've wondered a lot of, about listening to some of your songs, where you got the inspiration for different songs, and today we're going to do it, uh, be able to find out a little bit about your history. So first of all, where were you born, Gene? I was born in Brunswick, Georgia, and that's between Savannah, Georgia, and Jacksonville, Florida. So kind of close to the Florida line, but uh, it's a harbor town. A uh, lot of shrimping going on, and there's a port there, but uh, you know, I was raised on the river. Um, my granddad had a place on the river, and uh, just, we caught shrimp. Didn't have a shrimp boat. He worked at a chemical mill, but uh, I was raised around that atmosphere, and uh, a lot of people say Georgia. They do think of Atlanta or cotton or peanuts. And uh, living on the coast and being raised on the coast, especially right above the Florida line, which is much different. Uh, here. That's why I was born and raised. 
and you still make it up to uh, Atlanta sometimes. I saw where yeah, you. Uh, my, my youngest brother actually uh, was an engineer, and he works up in Atlanta. And I've been up uh, Thanksgiving before last, and then uh, he got married uh, last spring. And um, he asked me to go out and play his wedding, so I played over at Cheeseburger Paradise. Uh, I think it was Saturday night after his wedding, and then uh, Sunday afternoon, which happened to be Mother's Day last year. So I got up there. Uh, that, that's the last time I went up. I found out he was leaving on a cruise the next day, and so will my wife and I. But we were actually going on two different ones, but we missed each other in Nassau by one day. And I, I said, if you hadn't told me that, I'd have saw you in Nassau on your honeymoon. That would have been a surprise. But <laughs> yeah, I get up. I, I probably get up at least once a year, and sometimes twice a year. And I heard that you rocked the house at uh, Cheeseburger. Uh, that's what the bartenders were saying. Yeah, well, I didn't hear that, but my brother did. I know that it was like one twenty, and little did I know I was supposed to stop at twelve. <laughs> the place was packed, and um, you know, of course, I did. You know, the, the Jimmy Buffett Island songs, some of mine. But you know, as the younger uh, kids started coming in, kids, and I say younger, but you know, kids that grew up with music in the eighties and the nineties, I switched to that. I can play a lot of songs, and you know, I was doing the John Cougar and the REM, and I was. You know, so I was just kind of reading their ages. They came in the door, what they were like, and yeah, and it was just, it was, you know, it was a nonstop party. It was. We went till one twenty, and actually, I, I quit because I was just dead tired. You know, I think I went back at eleven and played right straight through till one twenty. So, and um, I didn't, but my brother had said something about either the bartender, or one of the um, the, the waiters had said it was a good night for him, and you know, they really hadn't played that late before. But, but and, you know, and it's, it's about playing the right song at the right time. It, it really is. And um, I guess the business aspect of it is how much cash register rings through because if it rings more than, <laughs> if it rings more than that you're there than the guy last week, you'll probably be back next week. <laughs> and the way to do that is to play the right song at the right time and just play you know, play great songs that people are familiar with. And people always ask me what I play and though I play and write the tropical rock, I I just tell them basically I'm I'm playing classic top forty. And that could be from you know, last year, all the way back to the 60s or 50s, but most of the songs were, were basically, they were top 10 hits. And if it's a top 10 hit, it usually lasts forever. It lasts for decades. People know the song. So, what did you listen to uh, growing up in Brunswick? In Brunswick, I listened to, um, actually, I listened to, probably the first music I was exposed to was my mother and her sister, of course, they listened to 50s and early 60s, but my uncle was only 12 years older than me, and I remember every Beatle album he bought as they came out. And when I'd be over at my granddad's, you know, I was only four or five years old, we'd actually listen to him just over and over until I knew all the words. Um, but I was, I played piano at age six, had to take lessons. That were my birthday present. Everybody had to play piano. And at age 10, I actually switched to drums, uh, because I was in the band at, the, at school. And I played this all the way through my senior year. In fact, I was state drummer in Georgia and, uh, my junior year and the drum major, but then things changed. I was listening to the rock soul um, and playing everything. You know, we were heavy into Grand Funk Railroad and and um, some of the new newer Kiss stuff because they were basically coming out. And, uh, but whenever uh, I switched to guitar, uh, my first uh, first things I was playing was America and Neil Young, um, you know, Loggins and Messina because that was real popular. But I'll, I'll say that probably a more influence. I didn't buy my first Jimmy Buffett record until 1996. Uh, and my big influences uh, 
was with that kind of jazz chord played with pop rhythms is what America was using. And uh, not Neil Young, but America was. But when I've, I've lived in Hawaii from 78 to 80, Cecilio uh, Capono and a group called Kalapana and the Beamer Brothers, they were all using it. And, you know, I, I remember learning all those songs that, that those guys were playing. And they were on the radio, and some of them were signed with Columbia, but that was real popular. Hawaii had a, an entirely different top 40, so to speak. And that has probably influenced my music. You know, I hear it. Um, I was listening to some radio um, the other day and heard uh, Cecilio Capono, and I went to Amazon.com and bought two of the albums that I had years ago. And, you know, I, I realized, wow, you know, a lot of those chords and a lot of that, that groove they had, that's in my music even to this day. So I'm, I'm sure that heavenly influenced so how did you make the leap from being a, a music fan to being a musician yourself? A music a musician is not what I am. It's who I am. What yeah. I am. Uh, I don't, it's since I was four. I mean, I had to be singing. I learned the songs on the radio. I had the hairbrush entertaining my, my grandmother and her friends, singing along with the records, singing along with the radio. Um, but I would say probably by... When I got my first drum set at age 15, there was no doubt I was going to be a musician. And, and I was playing in clubs in my junior, senior year. And um, then I just got really heavy into it. Actually, I, when I joined the Navy, um, you know, back in 77, disco hit. You know, they went in our band. They hired DJs. And so I started playing solo and playing the guitar. Uh, I already knew how to sing the songs. And I started playing guitar and doing happy hours. And I made it a food at and said, it used to be playing on the beaches of Waikiki. <laughs> I said, tell me more. And uh, about six months later, I was playing in the clubs in Waikiki, still in the Navy. But uh, So I started uh, doing some writing there. And in fact, on my second CD, I put out 98, there's a song on there, copyrighted in 79, that song Caledonia that I wrote when I was down in the South Pacific. So I was actually cruising the South Pacific in Hawaii. Um, and I think right before I left, uh, you know, Jimmy had come out with Margaritaville in 77. And, uh, you know, I was familiar with the song, though we never played the song. Um, because by then, disco, you know, and was, was heavy, and you know, and uh, some of the country clubs that I would sit in with the country band, they were playing that right before I joined the Navy. But when I got to Hawaii, I mean, it was all the Hawaiian guys, and so I kind of missed all those years. And it wasn't until '95 um, I was living in L.A. and I took a lyric writing course from uh, UCLA and had taken a lot of music courses in college, and and uh, I had written a song and. Uh, Norman Sweet, who uh, was a friend of mine, he had written Eric Applied's only number one hit and hit for Selena. And he suggested I send a certain song to Jimmy Buffett. And I asked, is this guy still playing? He goes, oh, yeah, he put down the album every year. So I actually sent him out past the reef, but Mike uh, actually called first. Uh, Norman gave him the number. And I think uh, Jimmy was with MCA at the time. And uh, I called, and uh, they, uh, I think, they did Mike Knight. I'd imagine them or let's answer the phone. He asked me who I was and I told him who Norman was and he knew him. And he said, Well, send the song in. Well, actually, Mike Utley called me back and said, Hey, this is a great song, but you know, the next album's more eclectic. Well, now I'm trying to be a songwriter at the time. That's all. And now I've got a call back from a member of the band. You know, so I started actually buying the Jimmy Buffett record and kind of listening and writing songs that I might could pitch to him. And I was working with Norman at the time. We were writing songs. And basically, we got, um, I had all these songs and I was using uh, Rick Gathaway who had played with the Osmond family the whole time and the Osmond brothers and Keith Roy King who worked for Warner Brothers who produced it. So, you know, Norman said, you're not, you're not writing uh, demos. You're writing an album once you put out one yourself. 
Uh, so where am I going to sell them? Whether it's a place called Amazon.com, you say this is Wharf every Saturday and Sunday. So I had all these kind of a mix of kind of country songs. And uh, like that's the first album with rum and Coca-Cola and Caribbean Cowboy. And uh, so I never sent them uh, back to Jimmy. I, I put out the CD and then um, uh, somebody had to buy one at Fisherman's Wharf. Uh, they were the editor of a magazine, a uh, voting magazine called The Log that goes from San Francisco to uh, San Diego. And they did a half-page article on me and all of a sudden people are buying them. And I said, hey, this works really well. So uh, I just started writing songs and uh, came, that was, that's why I called it Caribbean Cowboy, actually, because I said I've got all these country songs and these Caribbean songs. So then I wrote a song called Caribbean Cowboy and called it Caribbean Cowboy. And that's why that album came into being. Um, and then a lot of the, the, um, the parrot heads start buying the record. And so therefore I said, well, let me see what that was. I bought Fruitcakes was the first CD I bought. And then I bought some CDs backwards over the next four or five months. I just bought backwards as they put them out. And I said, well, you know, I'm not as country as he is, but he's got a lot of uh, nice styles on here. But basically he's just selling a vacation. He did the Caribbean. And so uh, I just sat down and I wrote Big Coconut, got Gary Gibson to play the steel drums and just, just ripped out an album that was nothing but basically parrothead friendly. I, I wanted to, I was living in Seattle and I wanted to get back to my roots, which were kind of jazzy. And so uh, I did the album Tropical Jazz and I featured uh, Amy Lee, uh, Jimmy Buff's saxophone player, and John Raymond, who's Kenny G's guitar player, because there's uh, I promoted the featuring the guitar player from the number one tropical band whose leader plays guitar and guitars or saxophone player uh, for the number one tropical band whose leader plays guitar, and that was Jimmy. And uh, and guitars for the nation's number one jazz band whose leader plays saxophone. That's how I promoted it. Hmm. And, uh, so it was, uh, you know, and I went back to that, and um, I could tell in the writing of those songs, Living in Seattle, I was really longing to come back to the southeast and to the beach. And you can hear it in the songs because I'm talking about I need to go. I got to get back by the beach. I got to live down by the beach. I got to get back. And uh, as well as some smooth jazz and some blues on there. And, uh, you know, I, I was calling to put out Down Island Way, which Jeff actually sang on the on the title track with me, too. He thought that was a great album. Uh, and uh, and it's because I had finally arrived in Florida. I was where I wanted to be. And you could just hear it in the music. And uh, Jeff, Jeff commented at the time that it was one of the best... Uh, CDs I put out. And I don't know if that's what he's saying on it. <laughs> oh, he really thought so. But uh, I took that as a compliment because on that album, I just moved to Florida and I really didn't have access to a lot of uh, good musicians yet. And uh, so actually, uh, I had Gary, who's a steel drum player, but you know, he's got a master's degree in percussion. He played the drums, piano, and steel drum and all the percussion. And I did uh, guitar, acoustic, and electric and played the bass and did all the, the vocals on all the songs except uh, you know, the one on the down Island Witch song. So, um, as you can see, the, you know, in, in the album, I'm just happy to be in Florida. So happy that I, I did the next album, which was called Greetings from Florida. And that album, I highlighted all the places uh, in Florida and how nice it was to live here. And I always felt that that was my most, uh, not the worst of my albums, but that's the one I, I, I didn't like as well as the others because really I was doing it um, as a way to get my Put in the door to Florida to show people that I could write about Florida. And, um, of course, I put out four more albums after that. But that album is what got me the gig at the Capitol One Bowl and playing for 17 million people because the guy did a search. He's from Florida. He did a search vacation. 
and I've got two albums by that name, and my name came up, and we opened the show at the Capital One Bowl with uh, Greetings from Florida, and uh, the second song was Vacation, and we did a couple more. So, you know, you never know uh, who's listening. You know, you just got to get the music out there, and, um, you know, I appreciate so much uh, so many people buying the CDs because it allows me just to keep putting out more, and I, I do. I try to outdo myself every time write something a little different but the same just you know so you don't just get a rehash of the same old stuff uh like on the last album it's you know a little bit of the california or the carolina shag and the Florida beat flop sound while still having some reggae and some calypso and you know that jazzy style that i've got so something new so i was just wondering out there there's um there's quite a few people that are doing this kind of tropical kind of sound who out there would you have to say is uh, is one of the one of the especially good ones? And you can say yourself. I don't um, consider that. Well, no, no. I'm, I'm the I hear a lot on the radio in the pop rock vein of you know independent artists. Uh, I hear a lot, and um, I think that um, and you know what? I think there's a market for it. You know, uh, Jimmy's albums. Uh, he keeps putting them out. And Jimmy's being a little bit more reflective, you know, growing older, looking back on life. And um, you've got so many independent artists that are doing kind of what he did in the beginning, right from the trenches. You know, they're talking about being in a little tiki bar, you know, not flying the airplane around the world. They're, they're, they're still in the tiki bar, meeting the average folks. And I think that's the feel of the independent artists, that they're, they're down in the trenches. You know, they may be riding in the wake. You know, and I have to say, you know, Jimmy is... As, 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 as influential uh, to music, you know, if you take the biggies in music, you've got Elvis Presley, you've got Chuck Berry. Now, Chuck Berry's rock and roll. Elvis Presley, you know, was more of the pop. Uh, you know, he had it all during the seventies. I mean, the great showman as well as rock and roll. You have Ray Charles. You know, I'm not going to mention all these guys from the South either. <laughs> but you've got the best music, and I, I think, um, you know, I wish Jimmy a long, long life. But I, I can tell you that his music's going to stand and. It's probably going to be far more popular than he ever dreamed of, you know, uh, when he's finally in the history books. And I can see there'll be as many impersonating uh, Jimmy Buffett as there are Elvis impersonators. It'll be that, you know. So I'd say, you know, Jimmy's, of course, the number one. But uh, I'll tell you, um, as far as when I listen, uh, I hear a lot of uh, Jeff's probably going to Jeff Fike is probably going to agree with me on this. You got. Anybody out there can make a CD now. They got the home recorders, and you can make a fairly decent one. Now, what I hear is just, you know, almost like the first thing that rhymed in their head. Uh, I hear a lot out there that basically people can't sing, but they put it out. You know, it's a good song. But if you look, listen to some of the 60s and 70s all by themselves, really the singer may not have been, I mean, carry a tune. I mean, yeah, it's not a, I, I don't want to listen to them for four hours, but it's, it's just such a great song. Um, but I'll tell you who I personally think, um, and I'll, I'll say that I think these guys are the best and I, I do it because of the lyric writing, their voice and um, their um, their production, the way they present the song and the, you know, the musicianship and uh, you know, probably first uh, I would have, I really like um, uh, Sonny Jim's writing I knew you were going to say that, I don't I'm know how I knew right now, <laughs> Kevin McGuire, that Boat in Belize album I mean it just blew, it, it blew my socks off um, it was just a, it was a good album, well produced. Um, 
And he's he's using a lot of the guys from Jimmy Buffett's band. So basically, when it starts, it sounds like Jimmy Buffett's band because he's using about four to five players. But Kelly's just got a very pleasant voice. Um, I know he took a book break uh, from the Red Fig Island when and did you know a straight forward country album. But I could tell on that third album he was right back where he belonged doing the trot rock and um, yeah and um, and you know and, and Jim Morris um, when I first heard it I was like well. You know, Jim's living the life of drinking and, you know, he's writing those songs, but, you know, Jim Morris is a, is, is, is really a good writer. He really is. And I'll tell you, I would pass by him. He's kind of the Ray Charles of the Strop Rock. You know, Ray Charles, you know, everybody thought he was just throwing, singing these silly songs, but he just had so many hits. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, and, and Ray Stevens too. Not Ray Charles, Ray Stevens, I mean, you know, the comedian. Yeah. He's kind of, he's kind of the Ray Stevens, you know, the street and that kind of stuff. He writes some very clever, funny songs that appeal. Um, and, you know, each of us, and, you know, and, and Sonny Jim, he, he lived in the Caymans for a while, and he's got that soccer sound down. Just a very clever, uh, clever songs he's written. But, you know, and, and, and I look at him, I said, you know, each of us have lived different lives. Uh, you know, uh, and Jim, is, uh, Jim Morris is from uh, Georgia, and, uh, you know, we're all about the same age, and, you know, we just live different lives, and we, it reflects in our songs. But it all comes together, that mutual bond of, of loving the tropics. Um, you know, Jim loves the fish, and uh, Sonny Jim, he loves the beach. I love the beach, and we all love the beach, and we all love the water, and we all love the trot rock. Um, I really haven't. Um, a lot of guys used to flop my CDs, and I've had a few of them. But when I say I'm really uh, impressed with someone, that means I will play their CD more than once. Yeah. Listen to it. And I, you know, when I uh, have taught songwriting, I always say, you know, a song is only as good as your worst lyric line in a song. Hmm. And uh, an album is only as good as your worst song. If you put one bad song on that album, the whole album's bad now. It, it really is. Because you can't have somebody skipping tracks. You know, if, you, if, it, if they're going to, if something that you don't like, skip it. And another thing. You can't put a disclaimer on this. I know that I know that uh, the guitar, I know that drumming is really bad on this, but he's a good buddy of mine. <laughs> you, can't, <laughs> you can't do that. Uh, I hear a lot of that, but you know Kelly McGuire, uh, Sonny Jim White, and uh, Jim Morris—they're consistent, and uh, and both of those guys have really, uh, from what I've heard um, over the last few years, both of those guys have really taken a big step uh, forward by getting their own, getting band members. Back him up. Uh, you know, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the computer music was being done, uh, with, uh, Sunday Jim, uh, because of the being in the Cayman Islands, I'm sure, you know, that was easier. And, you know, and, and Jim, um, Sonny Jim, I, I noticed a lot of his songs were a little bit longer. I'm thinking, okay, but then I thought, well, you know what? When he was writing that, he was playing live every night and he's writing for people to dance. And that's why, because, you know, you don't want to dance to a two and a half minute song. You just got going. And, uh, and I can see the change in his writing and, uh, Jim Morris, they've been playing with other musicians, and you know they got a band backing them up, and you know that's a great thing to play with real musicians, and uh, you know, and uh, have that uh, creativity that you can draw from everyone, and, and I see it. Um, and of course, now it, you know if A One A was uh, send me an album or something, I could probably say something about them, but I haven't heard. <laughs> I heard, I did hear an, uh, a song on uh, on the radio, and it said A One A, and I could tell it was Jeff singing because I. Tell you, Jeff has got a great voice. He gave me a couple of CDs of his that he did solo. He's got a great voice. Uh, of course, when he's singing the Trot Rock, 
you know, he's given that a different edge. But um, this song that I heard, I forget, it was kind of a smooth song, but I could tell it was Jeff singing, and it was a very smooth, very well-written song. That's all I've heard. So I'll give him that. I'll give Jeff that plug there. But if he, <laughs> if he sends me up that album, I, I might can say more next time. Yeah, I've, I've had... Uh... I've had kind of the same impression that you did, uh, and I would have to put uh, put Sonny Jim, Kelly McGuire, and uh, when I when I first started writing and and doing the radio shows and stuff, it was really Jeff that turned me on to your music on his website. The link to you says out of all the people doing island music, I'd have to say Gene Mitchell is the cream of the crop, and I have to say, I mean, I get sent a lot of CDs. Your CDs do stand, they stand up because you don't skip any songs. Yeah, and I, and I, well, of course, it takes me two and a half uh, years to put out an album. <laughs> I don't put one out every year. But uh, I do, I start a lot of songs that I don't finish because I just say, well, you know, it's fun, but it's not going anywhere. And maybe I'll keep the idea and, and do a, a fun album later, but right now it's not working. And, and I don't just sit down and write a song. Um, I can do that if I've got a title to work for. I can make up a story, and I've done that before. But um, the last album had four song, uh, 14 songs, and um, 10 of them were written over a two-year period, and, and four of them were written over the last two months. Because once I'm in the studio, then it's like, okay, I've got the guys here, you know, and um, I've got these ideas. Let me see if I can take all my ideas and let me see if I can. And, and of course, the producer is always saying, you know, 14 songs, you know, 12 is enough. You just Giving, giving them two more songs. Okay, you don't understand. I'm not going to put out an album for another two years. <laughs> I don't want to sit on two, you know, two songs for another couple of years. I want them to hear them now. I want them to hear, in fact, Big Coconut, the song Big Coconut was the last song I wrote. on, And I had been writing it, and we recorded it on the, the final day of making that album. And it ended up being the title of the album. The song was so strong. And you can hear us all having fun in there, especially if you get the Island Party, which has got, uh, which is a compilation. And it's got the acapella version that we were doing at the beginning. You can hear that. We were just having so much fun with that. Uh, now, I have to tell you, if anybody gets signed to a record contract, it'll probably be Kelly McGuire. If, it, if somebody, if a major record was looking, that would probably be the one. And the reason is because Kelly's got the band that he travels with. And just Kelly is just such a, a hard worker. And he has just worked that state of Texas and been the independent music uh, of the year. I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's got a real commercial sound. I think he's got. Uh, he's got the time and the willingness to work it. Um, not that I wouldn't do it, but you know, um, I'm, 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 I'm doing well. The records are selling and I've got nine of them out. And, um, I know, um, I had a lot of calls from a lot of people marketing and people wanting to manage me, you know, after they, I was advertised at the, on the, uh, or being the headline entertainment for the Capital One Bowl on ABC this past New Year's Day. And then also uh, on Sirius Satellite, when the Vacation Channel was running, I was the second most played artist behind Jimmy on that station. And so people were calling me, telling me what they could do for me. I said, well, you know, what can you do for me? I mean, can you get me a, a gig to play for 17 million people on TV? 65,000 people live? Can you get, you know, what can you do? So, and to me, you know, I was in the Navy 21 years. And basically I had people telling me, you know, what to wear, how to cut my hair, where to be. And you know, signing a record deal with somebody. I own the publishing, the copyright, the record label. And, uh, you know, I own everything. And, you know, the only thing I would probably do is that somebody, some young kid that's willing to work hard, you know, uh, sing one of my songs. 
But other than that, you know, you sign a record deal and you've got somebody telling you what to wear, how to cut your hair, where to be, you know, you know, and then, you know, you've got to sign over so much, you know, all your creativity that you do from that point on is going to be signed over, you know, and not that I mind that. And I probably would entertain one, but I would probably have a lot of stipulations. But right now I'm just happy doing it myself and, uh, you know, having fun with it and it's successful. And so, uh, you know, and I, I wish, you know, I, I really think though, the stop rock thing, I, you know, I've been seeing so many radio stations doing this and a lot of island shows that if, you know, I think that there probably will be uh, a category at the Grammys for it one day. <laughs> no, I do. Yeah. My goal has been to win a Grammy, you know. Uh, and I said, well, they said, that's a high goal. I said, yeah, but if I don't reach it trying to, I should, I should hit a lot. I should have a lot of folks down trying to hit it. <laughs> so, um, and I can see that. And you know, they, uh, the, um, the radio stations that are, uh, are playing more and more of it and more and more people are doing island shows. And, um, I can see it, you know, I'd like to see a section at Walmart. That would be a great deal. So when you're not doing the music, I was just wondering, what do you do? When you're not doing the business related to the music, well, I don't do anything else. I don't. I don't work any other job. I have to say that you know, it was January because of Capital One Bowl was my busiest month ever on uh, sales on my website, Amazon.com, CD Baby, all the others, radio airplay, you know, royalties, uh, everything was and download, digital download, you know, and. Um, and that, that does a lot, you know, cause you get, get a, you know, email every Monday saying, you know, this much has been deposited to your account and, you know, and, and it, you know, I think, you know, the 99 cents, you know, you look and say, my gosh, you know, four or five people, or four or five hundred people a week are downloading the songs on Yahoo and iTunes. Like, who are these people? You know, why don't they come, why don't they buy the CD? And, uh, that's why I try to make my CDs really nice too with all the lyrics and the pictures and all. Cause when people buy a you know, product, they just don't want to just throw it out there as the CD. You gotta give them something to read, look at, read, and read a little bit about you. But, um, you know, it's, it, it's great. And I, I really don't do anything else. Now I have been busy. I've been really busy. because uh, I do all the business aspect of it. Um, I have a marketing uh, director and they do some, but, uh, you know, I do most of that stuff. I try to stay as personal as I can with the people that are buying and, and I'm I'm filling up my March uh in an April schedule. Uh mostly with private gigs now. Uh course in May, uh Memorial Weekend through Labor Day weekend I'm uh playing Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, every night uh, in Panama City Beach. So uh you know, just filling up so I say so when I'm not doing the records, I'm actually playing uh writing, but I spend a lot of time at home and doing nothing. I mean I eat a lot. Uh, I spend most of the time, my nights off going around and listening to other musicians and seeing what's on the beach and seeing what songs people are responding to. You know, if it's a new song, you know, that I might want to learn if it's, uh, if people are responding a certain way. So I guess it's all business, but you know, to me, it's fun. Yeah. You know, you find a, a job you love, you never work a day in your life. <laughs> but, but writing and producing the music, uh, and playing, that is the only thing I do. And, um, you know, you know, last month, you know, the, uh, it actually balanced out with, um, you know, the performance as well as the, um, the studio sales, you know, balanced out. But, you know, during the winter, it's, um, things slow down, but, uh, you know, playing the Capital One Bowl is really 
made a difference because uh, January was my biggest month and February is good. So, I mean, that was a lot of exposure. You know, 17 people on uh, football programs, really nice programs, like a Cosmopolitan magazine, glossy, full color, about 150 pages, and I'm right on the middle two pages, you know, talking about me. So hopefully those people that didn't pay attention or were getting a hot dog, they took it home and, you know, browsed through their book. And so, yeah, I think to check the guy out. So, you know, that's, that's, that's been good for this winter. It really has. And I hope to carry that into the summer and on to other gigs. So how long have you been married? Since July. Since July. Yeah, because I remember, I think it was like a couple years ago when I wrote that piece on you. I asked you if you were married, and you said no. Nope. Uh, my my wife, actually, she's from southern Alabama, actually lived about 100 miles almost due west of my um, where my mom lives in southwest Georgia. And uh, uh, both of our dads are dead, and uh, our moms have uh, really got along well together. And, and um, she actually retired in August from teaching at Stout College in Alabama. She retired, um, and uh, now she's teaching part-time at the college here. And that has made a difference, too, because, uh, you know, she was retired. <laughs> we got married in July, and we retired on August 8th. 24 hours a day, we were together, and uh, we loved it. But I wasn't getting any work done during the day. I mean, we would get up, we'd go to the gym, and we'd go <laughs> to the beach, and we'd go have some lunch somewhere. And we, you know, that's all we did. And now, basically, on those three days of the week that she works, that's when I could really sit down at the computer and, and do some writing and do some, uh, you know, just get all the emails checked. So basically get a little bit of business done. So just out of curiosity, how did you meet her? Uh, actually, um, at a restaurant where I was playing, but I was done. Uh, this was like spring before last. So this, this spring is two years. Um, I, I was already done, but my equipment was set that up. And I was there and, um, uh, her and two of her other, uh, friends, and I think they all went to college together, but uh, one worked at the college with her, and another was a uh, guy at counselor at high school down in Stillwater. They were all on spring break together, and um, they come came walking through, and so I just held the door open. I was there at the counter getting myself a drink, and or at the bar, and I opened the door in the restaurant, and um, the first two came by, and when she came out that door, uh, she looked at me, and she goes, how are you? And I just looked at her, and I said, I'm fine now. <laughs> I did. I told her that. As a matter of fact, if you listen to uh, a lady and a dancer on the new CD, uh-huh. in fact, she's the one that really liked that jazz dancing. Yeah. And uh, so that's why the, the CD incorporates that. And um, if you listen to the song or look at the lyrics, the lady and the dancer, uh, there's a line in there that says, uh, she's, that talks about, she said, How are you? And I said, I'm fine now. And uh, that's one in one of the verses. But uh, actually, um, um, and, and, and here's the deal. She says, hey, uh, who's playing music? And somebody pointed to me and said, he is. And she says, are you done? Well, I have to say, it's kind of like a, I fibbed the first time. Because I said, no, I'm not. But then since I'm my boss, it's not a fib. Because I can determine when I'm done. And I said, no, I'm not. And she says, well, can me and my friends sing Mustang Tally with you? And I said, absolutely. So, <laughs> and uh, And that's still one of her favorite songs. And and so they all got up there and sang, and uh, luckily she could sing. The other two, uh, <laughs> in case they're they listening. Um, they were good. Yeah, they were good, yeah. <laughs> I'll, listen, I'll let Simon Cow comment on that later. Um, but, uh, you know, and I, I think, I, in fact, uh, I played two or three more songs. And then uh, basically we just started to talk a little bit, but, you know, she was with her girlfriend. So um, I, I gave her a, 
CD because I'm thinking, well, you know, she'll see I wrote these songs, and that way when she's away, I, you know, I can be working on her. She'll say, oh, this is the kind of guy he is. Okay. <laughs> so um, she came out, and um, uh, I thought we were just a little bit said goodbye. And then it was, he said she was going to be back the next month, but it was actually about two or three months later that she called. And we met, and then uh, she had a place at the beach, and I had it for eight years. And she'd come down once a month, and then she'd come down every other weekend, and then pretty soon every weekend. Uh, she'd come down and, um, you know, I was playing at the time, but we spent the time together. And then as last winter approached, I wasn't playing so much. Uh, we spent a lot of the weekends together. And she said that she was about ready to retire and she was about ready, had been wanting to move to the beach since she was a little girl. Her dad had been bringing her here. And you will see that. That's the first song I wrote about her on the new album. It's called, uh, Forever on the Emerald Post. And it's about her growing up on the beach. And it, and I made it, you know, generic enough. I'm missing a little girl, but it's generic, generic enough that anybody that has longed to come to the beach and have been coming for years on weekends, and then they finally make it to the beach or wherever they're going to, uh, they've always wanted to live. That's what the song is about. So that was the first song I wrote about her, actually. So, and, uh, you know, it wasn't a love song. It was basically about her life and her desire. And then, uh, of course, uh, we got married and, uh, in July, and I uh, a couple of other songs, and uh, so I said, well, I need to wrap this up. Uh, at the end of the year, in November, I did the and wrapped up the album, and got it printed, got it out. So, anyway, so uh, we're happy as a plan. Excellent. It was a moray. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, you can, uh, all you got to do is listen uh, to the, uh, listen to the song, A Lady and a Dancer, it's called Dancing on the Beach, is the album, The Lady and the Dancer, that's her. I see. She really put a change in, uh, she put a step in my groove, as, uh, as, uh, Rob, Rob Thomas would say. She put a step in my groove. <laughs> but, uh, you know, she, she brought a little different angle, you know, because, uh, yeah. you know, vacation, I know they start doing a little bit of that doo-wop kind of feel to some of the songs and, um, a little bit of retro sound uh, and keeping it full, uh, of reggae and calypso and things. But, uh, this one I was like, well, you know, I don't want to do that again. But, you know, the stag dancing is that basically it is that kind of doo-wop sound, but um, you know it's just uh, the shag music. I looked it up on the computer. The, the beach for a minute, the styles, and uh, of course I'm playing the jazzy. Uh, uh, it came out. It came out nice. Of course she was pleased. I think there's four or five songs on there about her, so <laughs> she's pleased. All right, I, I'm, I'm on my last land shark beer. What are you drinking? Uh, well, I, I think. Uh... Right, we're running out here, but <laughs> I'm on my last one. So I had a six pack, but the wife, the, the, the wife drank five, so I only drank one. One more question for you. Where did uh, I learn to talk so much? <laughs> well, I'm going to be fumbling through the fridge for another land shark, but uh, before it runs out, I'm sure you'll have we'll have enough time for one question. I hope. Yeah. Uh, my last question, since this program goes out all over the world, and there'll be people everywhere listening. What would you, Dean Mitchell, like to say to the world? Go to the beach, have a good time, or wherever you want to relax. Don't wait to the rest of your life wanting to do something. Um, a lot of people down in Florida, you know, wait until they can barely move to finally come down and do what they've always wanted to do. If you can't do it permanently, you know, put away 10 or 15% of your income and go on vacation <laughs> and do it often. And when you go, do what you want to do. 
And if you're out there looking for a mate, make sure they like to do that too, because that comes in handy. <laughs> well, I do appreciate you taking the time to give us an interview, and I I, uh, I wish you the best of luck with your coconut girl. So thank you so much, the big coconut. All right, I appreciate it. I hope we can break bread in person sometime, either in Atlanta or down uh, in Florida. I'll buy you a land truck here. All right. Or maybe two or three. All right. Well, Gene, you just have a great night, and uh, I will work on finishing off my land sharks, and you do the same. I'll do it. Have a good night. Now you're cruising with the big fan. (laughs) All right. We'll see you later. Okay. Bye. Thanks, Paul. See you. We thank you and appreciate you dropping in for the Paul Leslie Hour today. You know, you can help the Paul Leslie Hour in our mission to provide independent media content like this by visiting www.thepaulleslie.com slash support. We truly thank you. This is your announcer speaking. Performance of the Entertainer intro song and Corina Corina outro song, courtesy of John Primerano. Well, that's it for today. So until next time, be safe and be good.